0: Hear MPB's Season Pass Thursdays at 10 on MPB Think Radio and mpbonline.org. Welcome back. This is MPB Season Pass on Think Radio with Sam Wells. I'm Jay White. Good Thursday morning to you. Thanks for listening. Uh, we've got a great show coming up for you today, uh, one that uh, Sam puts together each and every year, the 2017 College Baseball Preview uh baseball my favorite sport personally so uh a time to geek out Bing! <laughs> and uh <laughs> and uh, they uh the the big 3 in mississippi are uh, all anticipating uh, pretty good seasons this year although i will say the rankings as they always are pretty funny uh i don't i don't know i don't think southern miss is ranked in any poll i don't think mississippi state is ranked in any poll the Ole Miss is ranked in two, but they're unranked in two. They're <laughs> high as there's. I mean,
1: they're, they're as, as high as eighth a, yeah.
0: in one poll, and then they're unranked in two other polls. Which, you know, awesome, awesome college baseball analyst industry. I feel like I I could be able to. Well, anyway, so uh, yeah, that's that what we have for the rankings. I mean, you definitely good. Like
1: it's just throwing them at the. It's just throwing stuff at the wall. It seems like it's I don't seemingly, know. Who. I really don't know how one publication writes this on the same sport yeah. and sees a, a a team ranked. And I'm just using Ole Miss as an example. It could be that way for other teams as well. I just don't follow it as closely for the out-of-state colleges. Yeah. But uh, I don't know how you see a team ranked eighth. One guy sees this and the other publication is like, these guys are terrible. <laughs> right. Unranked. Yeah. And it's like, uh, all right. I would think the number one recruiting class in the nation would at least get a team ranked in the top 25.
0: And that is uh, one of the interesting things. And uh, you handled our conversation with Mike Bianco that we're uh, going to
1: have on the program today. 17 seasons at Ole Miss starting this season. So yes. 17th year is this season. That's <laughs> pretty amazing. He started it? my senior year of high school.
0: Wow. Long time ago. Yeah, there's a lot that has happened at at Ole Miss
1: under his. Uh, September 11th has happened uh, to the country. <laughs> like a lot of stuff has happened to the yeah. America. I mean, it's been. I mean, that I, 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 that blows my mind that he's been at Ole Miss that long. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, this
0: year, uh, talking about this season for Ole Miss, uh, you, you mentioned the the huge recruiting class and. It seems to me like one of the things that Mississippi has not—the Mississippi schools, uh, not on purpose together, but generally speaking, the three of them have done that. I mean, have not done that. You've seen in other parts of the country is lean so heavily on true freshmen, Uh, specifically the highly recruited true freshmen. You've seen a lot of the other major programs lean on guys like this, Uh, and I think you know. It's not to say that State and Ole Miss and Southern Miss have not recruited at an extremely high level. But uh, I think the coaches here have been wary of of putting too much of your recruiting class in the hands of guys who could sign pro contracts and and get drafted, and that's burned, uh, all of them to some extent, before. Although, to a certain extent, you can uh, kind of – you can see – uh, coming down the 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 road there, which ones are going to go, which ones are going to stay, you can yeah. anticipate some of that stuff to a certain extent. But this is the first time I think I've seen a team have a huge class, and they're going—I don't say going all in, but I mean they are—they are front and center with a bunch of these guys. I think uh, the the lineup that that uh, Coach Bianco announced in their media day press conference earlier this week. Uh, where it was interesting. I don't know if I've ever seen it before like that. I don't know if Ole Miss has been doing it like this. But at the media day, he essentially introduced his uh, starting nine and his uh, his first weekend pitching rotation.
1: Yeah. Um, they should have played the music, you know, to had the walkout song,
0: <laughs> Right? So, yeah, but uh, of those nine that he's going to put on the field there, uh, including the designated hitter, for true freshmen. Yeah, uh, that's that's a that's a big deal.
1: Yeah, uh, Gray Kessinger will start at shortstop tomorrow for Ole Miss. Uh, Kessinger is sort of the Manning name, I guess, for baseball for Ole Miss. With, of course, Don, the all star, legendary uh, shortstop for the Chicago Cubs back in the '60s, and then his two sons played at Ole Miss when in the late 80s and early 90s, and then uh, now, of course, Greg is going to play for, uh, for Ole Miss. It's, it, it's good to see this, too, Jay, because I feel like when you look at things around the SEC, and that's just kind of uh, the, the, the conference that we all keep up with because in college baseball, it's one of the best conferences in America, yeah, and Conference USA as well, too, with the Rice and, and USM uh, in there. Of course, Tulane wasn't there, but they moved. Uh, but the, the the programs that win big Win big with freshmen who play and contribute and continue to grow with the program like LSU, like South Carolina, and like Florida. Florida is one of those teams that has had number one. They've had pitchers who have gone number like in the top 10 that go to college and dominate and send the Gators to College World Series and SEC Championship uh, Series as well in the SEC Tournament. And so I love seeing this for both Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Of course, State coming off a, cha- a conference title yeah. last year lost a bunch of their uh, a bunch of those guys and uh, off, off the mound. So that'll be a difficult chore to replace them. Um, but still, you gotta love seeing that because, man, these are this is a sport that all three of these universities—Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Southern Miss—can win a national title in. And I love seeing them go in and try to do it. I mean, it is not that they couldn't do it in basketball or football, but it is a real good possibility that they could do this in college baseball, year in, year out?
0: Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, I've been talking about this, uh, the sports radio show that I do in Jackson each afternoon. This is the thing that I've kind of I've, I've, I've kind of zeroed in on this week, and it has to do with Mississippi State's season that they're having in women's college basketball right now. Uh, Mississippi State went to South Carolina, did everything but beat them and the referees, um, uh, essentially, it took everything not nailed to the floor to hand Mississippi State a loss in that game. And South Carolina goes and plays up at UConn looking for their 100th straight win. Uh, South Carolina was down by six. They wound up losing by 11 in that game. They had 16 turnovers. Uh, and I don't know if that's uh, UConn imposing that on them or maybe they didn't play well or a combination, I, I'm guessing, yeah, most I likely a combination of both. But the thing is... I. Mississippi State's women's basketball team being third, unlike almost any other thing, including the two teams getting so highly ranked in college football a couple of years ago. This is one where the team being that high, I don't feel like it's inflated. I've always felt some sort of a way, like maybe there's a a, there's a reason and it's it's not necessarily Not that our teams are bad, but they've been the benefit of some other stuff that happened that kind of vaulted them in the rankings. But do they really have an opportunity to compete for a national championship? Now, that being said, baseball is a little bit different. Our state almost seems jinxed when it comes to college baseball, because for as good as state Ole Miss and Southern have been for the better part of the last 40 years, the fact that this state does not have a national championship in baseball, that's a failure. I'm yeah. to be dead honest with you. It that's is. That's a failure. It is. When you look at all of the contemporaries that the, those three schools have, when you talk about Rice has a national championship, when you talk about LSU has multiple national championships, when you talk about South Carolina has national championships, and Vanderbilt has national championships.
1: Vanderbilt and South Carolina are the ones that stick out where you You're like, good. Yeah. And, and when, and this is,
0: this is, I'm going to be brutally honest about this. Okay. Uh, Mississippi State and Ole Miss, the best that they've done is the college world series. And when that's what you're talking about, is that what you're hanging your hat on? Well, let's see what your contemporaries have done. Auburn has made the college world series. Bama has made the college world series. Arkansas has made the college world series. Georgia has won two national championships. Florida, I don't. they haven't won one, but they've played for it three times, I think. Yeah, they've, they've got played to the, for they it back-to-back back seasons. Uh, South Carolina won back-to-back championships. I mean, everybody in that Almost conference this beat. side of Kentucky
1: and Missouri. Tennessee has been to the College World Series. Right. 1996. That was a long time Ron ago. Delmonico, what a mistake. Yeah. Uh, Todd Helton, I think, was on that Tennessee team. <laughs> That's how long ago that was. He's right. retired from uh, from professional baseball.
0: And then A and M has made the World Series too. So I mean, it's it's Mississippi. One of these schools needs to get a title. And so I'm I'm at the point with them where I'm not picking them to win a championship until it happens. Or in other words, I'm not gonna I, I won't be picking it. They're just gonna have to do it. I'll yeah. see it when I believe it. Um, from that regard. But so I I don't – when I see – you could put Ole Miss in the top ten. You could put Mississippi State in the top ten. You could put Southern Miss in the top ten. And when I see that, oh, that's nice. Good for us. But does that make me think of about a national championship or the potential of a national championship? Nah. We'll see it when the when the postseason comes around. But this Mississippi State women's team sitting up at number three, when you see what they did with South Carolina, and then you see how South Carolina played UConn and – when, when you compare those games, UConn doesn't look, I mean, they're still the best team. There's no doubt about it. They're still going to be the overwhelming favorite to win. I mean, there's one team that'll be a coin flip or better chance to win. But they're not, they're not completely impeccable. Uh, I mean, they're not immortal. And from that standpoint, if it's going to be somebody besides UConn, I think Mississippi State has a coin flip chance with the rest of the field. To be that team, besides
1: uh, UConn, I think Mississippi State has a better chance to do that. And you, comparing these two, t- t- these two sports too, is a little bit of a, of a. Uh, I Me and you have discussed this many times in the past before. College women's college basketball is uh, about a six or seven team, well, really like a one team, and then a little bit of a break, yeah. and then about a six team, and then like a big cliff falls yeah. off around number like eight, and it it is not a uh, it is not an upset driven sport you don't get this i know that no only don't the only 16 <laughs> one uh upset has happened that has happened in a tournament was a women's tournament when harvard beat stanford a while back but by and large it is an absolute bloodbath until <laughs> until the final four I mean, yeah. it is a, I mean mississippi state was at the sweet 16 last year lost Yukon by 60 yeah so uh you know that's it's, it's one of those deals where uh, I think the, the, comp- the competition level for college baseball is much more difficult. But I agree with you. I think that's the reason that a lot of these programs, uh, you know, when Braun Polk was not doing as well at Mississippi State, I think that's why Mississippi State fans were so agitated. I think before 2014, that's why Ole Miss fans were so bent about Mike Bianco and the Rebels not being able to get over the hump because the program, the state of Mississippi, Southern Miss included in this, I don't mean to leave them out, they have poured millions of dollars into the facilities at all three of these universities they are top notch they are the best of the best old miss is going to do more renovations mississippi state had the best you know stadium in college baseball for 30 years and uh, has fallen deep into the sec now with uh with the lack of renovation they've done they're going to tear theirs down and build a Taj Mahal baseball as well in the next couple of seasons they're going to be at the top of the heap again so there's no reason on earth why either one of these programs cannot compete and win a national championship any and every season.
0: Yeah, I, well, I mean, they they do to a certain extent.
1: I mean, really, but for some reason, it's <laughs> it's almost uh,
0: it's almost uh, mm-hmm. Mike Martin Florida State ish type of thing. But I don't get that. I I don't have that passive attitude towards a national championship when I think about this Mississippi State team. I I think they have. I State fans got to be excited about this. I think. Those women have a, 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 a really good shot, especially if UConn somehow loses in that tournament. Uh, and even if UConn winds up winning in the championship, if Mississippi State's on the other side of the bracket, I mean, I, it, it is a likelihood that they'll make the Final Four at least and maybe play UConn again in the national championship game, depending on where South Carolina is in the bracket. I mean they're one of the very 2 or 3 best teams in the country and not because the rankings say so but because when you look at how the teams have played against each other comparatively you see it you see it their talent and uh, their ability to perform is obviously right there at very near the mountaintop right there and so if you're if you're a fan of sports in Mississippi that's got to be pretty exciting uh we'll take a break and get into our College baseball preview. We're going to start with uh, Andy Cantizero on the other side of this timeout. First year coach for Mississippi State, and uh, one of the questions I ask him is uh, the guy that he's replacing is going to be uh, right down the hall, (laughs) working with him in the same athletic department. Uh, We'll start that on the other side of this break. I'm Jay White with Sam Wells, MPB Season Pass Think Radio. This is
2: MPB Think Radio. Mississippi is our mission.
0: back this is mpb's season pass on think radio with sam wells i'm jay white andy canizzaro is the new head baseball coach at mississippi state and he joins us on the program now coach we appreciate your time how are you
3: hey guys i'm doing great thank you for having me on and and obviously looking forward to talking about mississippi state baseball and you know the start of our 2017 season man so we're we're really looking forward to it, and can't wait to get cranked up.
0: I, I got a bunch of questions, including number one: uh, the the guy who you are replacing, he's your boss. Uh, what did he tell you about what his role would be with what you do as the head baseball coach, and uh, him being the athletic director at the university now?
3: Yeah, absolutely, and and, and that's a great question. And you know, obviously, John is, has been a you know tremendous head baseball coach here in the Southeastern Conference over many years, and did a tremendous job at the University of Kentucky and did a great job here at Mississippi State. And now with him being the athletic director, and, you know, John is an um, outstanding sounding board for myself in terms of, you know, just being able to communicate with him as much and as often as possible as I need to. And, you know, with him being the AD now, you know, he certainly understands the, the resources that we need and the things that it takes to be successful in this league. And, you know, he's always there for me. Whenever I need him, uh, he and I do not speak every day you know I, I I'm not in constant communication with John, but you know that's one of the great things about John is you know he he is allowing me to do to do my job and you know he, is, he has entrusted this program to myself and our staff and you know he wants nothing but the best for Mississippi state baseball as a as a former player here and then as the previous head coach here so you know he's been extremely supportive he's always here for us whatever we need you know john has been there for us and and looking forward to a tremendous working relationship with john
1: coach canizzaro you, uh, you came from lsu obviously you saw what this program did a year ago winning the sec regular season championship you were hitting coach for the lsu can you talk about your hitting style and uh, have you been able to work with jake mangum at all
3: yeah you know obviously you know we we had a tremendous amount of success at lsu the the two previous seasons and You know, guys, I guess if I could talk about my philosophy to hitting, it's, you know, we're going to be aggressive. We're going to hunt the fastball. When we get to two strikes, we're going to put the ball in play. We're going to put pressure on the defense. You know, on the bases, we're going to look to steal bases. We're going to look to take the extra base. We want to be an aggressive-minded offensive team that's constantly applying pressure to the other team, making them handle the baseball, making them pick it up, And throw us out we take a lot of pride in you know our two strike approach what we're going to do with two strikes we're not going to be an easy out we're not going to keep the ball in the air with two strikes we're going to put the ball in play we're going to put it on the ground we're going to make somebody throw us out we're going to eliminate the strikeouts we're going to force the other team to beat us and that's a that's the philosophy that i've had pretty much my whole life and you know that's the philosophy that i used to play by so now you know, in my coaching career, I feel like we have a lot of success that way, um, and our guys have really bought into it. Our guys are really uh, swinging about well right now. We're looking forward to a, a a really offensive season and one that we're looking to get cranked up here Friday, four o'clock against Texas Tech University.
0: Coach, you inherited a conference championship team uh, and a team that made a super regional. It's interesting, uh, you know, Scott Berry, who's at Southern Miss, he inherited a College World Series team at Southern Miss, and it's interesting because. Uh, walking in the door, um, it's not like you can turn them around and be the hero. You are inheriting quite a a burden in terms of wins and losses right off the bat. How do you approach that as as the new guy?
3: Yeah, that's a tremendous question. And I think one of the things here, you know, in terms of a first-year head coach taking over a program that's had so much success in the past is last year's team lost 12 guys off of the SEC championship team and super regional team here at Mississippi State. So, this is a very young, inexperienced roster at this time. So in terms of, you know, a first year head coach taking over, new guy in the seat so to speak, it's actually a great time to come in and instill your values on your program and, and, and really lay the groundwork for how we're gonna be moving forward. So, you know, it's it's certainly, you know, the the program that won the league a year ago but so many of those guys are now off in professional baseball, having started their professional career. So we've got a lot of young players that have yet to impact the program here, but that are certainly extremely talented, that are going to be great players here at Mississippi State. They just simply haven't had their opportunity to shine just yet. So, you know, we're working hard each and every day to play the style of baseball that we're going to have here in this program moving forward. And I'm just going to do everything I possibly can to – continue to raise the bar of the program that Ron Polk started years ago and that John Cohen did such a great job in continuing to build and continuing to make Mississippi State a national powerhouse in baseball. And it's certainly you know, a a tremendous honor for me to be here, and I'm going to do everything I can to continue to build upon the winning tradition that Mississippi State baseball has.
1: Talk about your pitching staff and what it'll look like, uh, your weekend rotation and what it'll look like this weekend as you start the season against Texas Tech.
3: Absolutely, we're going to give the ball opening day to sophomore left-handed pitcher Connor Pilkington. Connor was a freshman All-SEC guy last year, uh, a preseason All-American. He's a six-foot-three, two hundred and thirty-pound pi- left-handed pitcher that's going to run his fastball up to ninety-two or ninety-three miles an hour, with a really good change-up and a breaking ball for strike. So, have a tremendous amount of confidence in Connor. Um, in my opinion, he's going to go on to be the next great Mississippi State pitcher uh to lead this program next year through the major league baseball draft as you know could certainly be a first round draft pick a year from now type of thing. So um feel really good about handing him the ball on Friday, Saturday against Western Illinois. We're gonna give the ball to sophomore junior college transfer, Peyton Plumley. Peyton pitched at Northwest Mississippi Community College last year. He's gonna run his fastball up to ninety four miles per hour with a good curveball. On Sunday against Texas Tech, we're going to give the ball to sophomore right-handed pitcher Ryan Sear. Ryan had a tremendous freshman year for us last year. Um, he's a guy, he's a three-pitch mixed guy with a fastball in the low 90s, a, a curveball and a changeup that's got a high level of pitchability. Um, and then the second game against Western Illinois is kind of to be announced or to be determined. And we're certainly going to see who hasn't pitched, you know, during the course of the weekend up until that time. But... We've got several outstanding young guys that may get the ball in that game, maybe one being a a freshman right-handed pitcher, Graham Ashcraft from Alabama, that has tremendous arm talent, going to run his fastballs into the mid to upper 90s a guy that's going to be an outstanding arm here at Mississippi State, and we look forward to big things from Graham.
0: Gary Henderson comes in from uh, Kentucky. He's the pitching coach. How much, I, mean, I know you focus on, you know, focus on offense, and, and he's got a great reputation uh, with, with you know developing and handling pitching staffs. How much delegation or how much leeway do you give him? I, I mean, I know you were just rattling off all the assignments right there. I just wonder how much, uh, where you draw a line between what the coach does involving the pitchers and, and how much you leave to him and, and how much trust you have in him that's developed so far?
3: Yeah, first and foremost, I mean, I have the utmost confidence and utmost respect for Gary Henderson and everything that he's done in college baseball and, you know, has been a tremendous assistant coach all around the country and did an outstanding job at the University of Kentucky the last several years and, you know, just extremely lucky to have him as our pitching coach. And Gary has done a tremendous job with all of our young arms. Um, Gary and I are in constant communication every single day about our pitching staff. I'm in the bullpen every day watching our guys throw pins. I think the information that Gary is relaying to our guys is off the chart. And so, you know, in terms of Gary being in charge of a pitching staff, in terms of a first year head coach, having someone like Gary Henderson to run your staff, uh is something that I'm extremely fortunate to have. Uh I lean on Gary a lot on the day to day process with our arms and the development of these guys. Um, and, and And trust everything that gary 's doing with them, uh, and just extremely lucky to have him on our side
0: last thing coach i mean you 've been a really successful assistant recruiter, and everything else, and now this is your first job so far how's it going, and what are you running into that uh, maybe you couldn 't expect or didn 't expect and uh, things that you 're kind of learning on the fly as the point man of a program for the first time
3: with getting a job here in the middle of november it 's certainly learning on the fly, so to speak and we're doing this thing on fast forward right now. And I think one of the biggest things for me and the, and the biggest adjustment is, you know, having spent the last two years strictly focusing on the hitters now with being able to coach and run the entire team. So my focus is on the hitters and early work and during practice, but at the same time, having to pay attention to what's going on defensively, having to pay attention to what's going on with our pitching staff, how we want to operate our bullpen. So, The biggest thing is just the overall scope of of practice every day and just kind of having your hands on all the parts and pieces of your team. So um, I'm certainly an offensive guy by nature, but have loved every bit of running practice and overseeing the entire thing and just trying to develop our players into the very best hitters and the very best pitchers and the very best defenders I can possibly help them be. I enjoy coming to work every day. I'm looking forward to the start of this season. and Can't wait to get started, guys.
0: Uh, Coach, man, we appreciate you coming on. Congratulations on uh, landing the gig, and we uh, wish you all the best this season. We'll talk to you again soon, all right?
3: Great. Jay and Sam, I really appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks a lot.
1: That's Coach Canizzaro to start his first season at Mississippi State. They will kick off the year uh, tomorrow afternoon, 4 p.m. against Texas Tech. When we come back, Ole Miss head baseball coach Mike Bianco getting the Rebels ready for East Carolina tomorrow at 4 as well. You're listening to MPB's Season
3: Pass.
2: trust in radio built around you. Mississippi Public Broadcasting.
3: From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio.
1: This is MPB Season Pass with Jay White. I am Sam Wells. Pleasure to be joined once again. Coach Mike Bianco. Coach, this is your 17th season, man. It seems like yesterday you just got there.
2: It really does. Uh, You know, uh, time flies when you're having fun, but excited, as you said, uh, you know, opening day, you know, a couple days away and excited to get on the field and play somebody with a different uniform.
1: You are in a select club that I don't know if you know you are a member of. You are a head coach who coached someone who is still alive, who won the World Series for the Chicago Cubs. Chris Coughlin of course was on the cubs roster this season when they won have you talked to chris i mean that's got to be just a whirlwind experience not only winning the world series but to do it with such a and to break the uh, the greatest curse in uh, north american sports
2: yeah you know i've talked to chris you know leading up to it and and actually uh you know was able to go to game six with my son oh man uh, and, uh courtesy of chris and uh you know be able to uh, speak to him you know, for a few minutes before the game, and uh, that was the you know the game in Cleveland before Game Seven uh, in the in the championship with their backs against the wall. But you know, so proud of him, and and you're right, and and I think what was neat is to kind of get a perspective from from you know a player that's actually you know in it. You know, I remember you know, talking to him you know somewhere in maybe August or September, and you know he was you know a utility player, and you know just had a role of pinch hit, come get a start here or there in the outfield, and played. Everywhere, basically, on the field, and, and I remember him just talking about you know how neat it was and how what an honor it was to be a part of what you know I think everybody at that time was hoping that it, you know they they had a, had a chance, but it was so far yeah. in the future. You know, there's so many games that they would have to win in tough series, but I think those players felt that you know back in you know August, you know that uh, uh, it was going to be something very special.
1: Coach, you landed the first number one class in Ole Miss athletic history. Talk about their impact and what they'll do to get on the field this season.
2: I'll tell you them when they you know got on campus you know this fall we knew they were very talented and a class that you know was recognized by a lot of publications as the best in the in the country but one of the biggest challenges I think for college baseball coaches is can you get those kids to play like they did in high school and I think to the to average fan they go well, what what do you mean you know, you know certainly they can do that but you know a lot of times the pressure of you know stepping on the field you know in the, uh, in the SEC program and you know where there's competition for the first time, they step on the field. They're not the best player on the field. I mean, you know, you got to imagine that when they're 18 years old, leading up to this point, every team they've ever been on, they're the best player. And now, all of a sudden, you know, they're they're, they're in a bullpen, and there's you know five guys better than them. They're, they're they're standing in the infield and they're looking at Tate Blackman and Colby Bortles and you know, preseason All Americans, and you know they've never had a college at bat. And so, a lot of times, that pressure, that uh, that maybe uh, sense of uh, uh, unconfident, Feelings go in their head, and and they don't play the same. And uh, I'm really proud because I think the staff has done a terrific job with these guys, and uh, the young kids have played so, so well through the fall and early spring and and really look mature out there they don't uh, they don't look nervous they don't look unsure and uh now it'll it'll be real this weekend and so hopefully that'll continue but uh i'm proud of what they've done to this point to prepare themselves for the for the first weekend
1: yeah and it seems like gray kessinger may earn himself a a starting shortstop uh, spot he'll be putting the jersey on that his granddad and his uh and his dad and his uncle put on
2: no, you're exactly right. And, uh, and he will. He'll be starting a shortstop on Friday and third, genera- uh, third generation, third generation. You know, Kessinger's, and I, you know, I you know, I, I remarked early in the fall that you know Don Kessinger is like the Archie Manning you know, of baseball, and and, and even and really when you look at Gray, I mean, it would be like Eli's son, uh, you know, playing you know, quarterback here, and so you know, it's you know, the third generation to to run out there uh, not not only in the uniform but the to, to start at shortstop, and uh, I'm excited for him. You're right, he he's played you know, terrific and uh, very very mature and. You know, uh, reminds me a lot. Uh, I was at Texan back and forth with Zach Cozart, a kid that was a star here 10 years ago, uh, that's now the starting shortstop for Cincinnati Reds, and uh, talking about and he was He was commenting how how, how the great things that he's heard, heard about Gray, and, you know, maybe the best compliment I could give Gray was, you know, he reminds me a lot of Zach Cozart. We
1: spoke to, on this show, we spoke to the Oxford High School head baseball coach and asked him, uh, you know, it's got to be tough uh, coaching out there. You know, your sons are playing on the field. Uh, he, he has a Kessinger out there, too, with Keith and Don. John there a lot of baseball knowledge around the around the Oxford High School program.
2: They do a great job over there. Obviously, they they don't need any help from us. They've won two back to back state championships, and uh, I got two boys in the pro or three boys now. A, a freshman that just you know got to, to high school this year, so for the first time ever, we'll have three kids on one team. So we'll we'll still be watching a lot of uh, Oxford baseball.
1: You spoke about him earlier, but uh, I, you and I spoke around the same time last year about Tate Blackman coming off a tough freshman year. Boy, he rebounded exceptionally well. Uh, in his sophomore campaign. Uh, just talk about him and what his role on this team will be leadership-wise. And also he was a draft-eligible sophomore and decided to come back so that's that's uh, got to be big for you, a big shot in the arm for the program this season.
2: No, you're exactly right. Yeah, Tate uh, two years ago came in and uh, had a lot of uh, accolades and preseason, you know, hype surrounding him, and and he'll be the first to admit it that he just didn't handle it very well. You know, the pressure got to him, and uh, he had a you know very tough uh, you know freshman year, but worked really hard with Mike Clement, our hitting coach, you know, in the off season, and and to to, uh, to Tate's credit, you know, he he just wore it. He didn't he didn't blame anybody. Uh, he just knew that you know he didn't handle it well, and he's got to play better, and he came out. And had an outstanding freshman year and batted in the middle of the lineup, you know, the whole year. You know, maybe our most consistent hitter from day one to the end. And uh, you know, this year, obviously, you know, coming, you know, passing up, you know, the the offers to to play major league baseball and to come back your 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 junior year. And you're, you're right, he was a uh, you know draft eligible sophomore because of age. You know, Tate comes back with a little different role. Not only do we need him to be, you know, one of the You know, uh, hitters that carries this lineup, but but we also need him to show a lot of leadership because he's only one of eight upperclassmen. We got two seniors and six juniors, and and so you know a little different role for him. You know, off the field as far as you know leadership in the dugout and in the locker room, and even on the field. And uh, really proud of the way he's handled himself. We knew Colby because Colby was a a leader for us last year and a captain, and you know has been terrific. And Colby has that presence. You know, Tate's never had to fill that role before but he's done it beautifully since you know, he stepped on campus back in August.
1: Coach, you lost a lot of your weekend rotation uh, with Brady Bramlett being gone and uh, and your number two starter getting drafted, uh, what's the rotation going to look like this weekend against East Carolina?
2: We'll start off on Friday night with David Parkinson, and David really took over that number two spot about you know, midway through the season last year. I think he ended up with like a six and one record. He started the season out of the bullpen, uh, and uh, you know pitched so well for us. And when the when the rotation looked uh, not as secure as it probably needs to be in SEC play, we made a change and, and moved David Parkinson to that number two spot from then on he just rolled uh and so he'll start on the on Friday night he you know uh through the fall and early spring uh he looks like the most dominant guy we got he's a you know six three six four left handed pitcher that's uh got four pitches and he really locates and uh you know I'm excited for him in his junior year uh pitching on day two will be james mcArthur james was a freshman all american big six seven you know right hander that his main role last year was that midweek start on Tuesday. Uh, but, but he did get some starts on the weekend. He beat LSU here uh, in SEC play. He beat Vanderbilt in the SEC tournament. So he, he is a seasoned guy and a guy that's pitched in big games for us. And, and then on Sundays, Brady Feigel, another freshman All-American from last year that uh, pitched out of the bullpen. But it was really that guy that I, I think kind of flew under the radar because out of high school he uh, he uh, tours UCL and had Tommy John surgery and redshirted his freshman year. And then so his redshirt freshman year. Thank the second year here uh, was just outstanding. So those three guys will start us off this weekend.
1: Talk about Will Stokes, what he brings to the bullpen.
2: Well, Will's just terrific, and uh, you know one of those guys that I think really solidified our bullpen last year. We had Wyatt Short had been there for two years and uh, you know pitched you know uh, outstanding for us. But there was at times that we tried you know Wyatt in a starting role and used Wyatt in a lot of different ways. And you know he was a selfless teammate and just accepted everything that we needed. But also with that was, was will Stokes uh, will at times was kind of the setup guy, if you will, for for Wyatt and at times you know he, he was the guy that was on the back end and closed the games you know, you're talking about a guy that really wasn't your closer but had seven saves last year and 30 appearances and so you know will is you know on you know the the preseason you know stopper of the year you know uh, award list and you know on a, on, on a lot of preseason I think watch lists and uh, a guy that's got a fastball in the low to mid 90s and a strike thrower with a great slider. So, you know, last year one of the the biggest strengths we had was our bullpen was so, so strong. And so a lot of that had to do with with Will Stokes and and what he was able to do. And like you said, you know, Feigl moving to the starting rotation. But we got three freshmen that have been competing for starter uh, uh, roles, but, you know, this first weekend won't do it. And Will Etheridge and uh, Ryan Rollison and, and Greer Holston so all three of those guys will be in the bullpen this week, along with Connor Green and Dallas Wolf Oak and another freshman All American and Andy Pagnazzi. So we feel that you know the, the bullpen will be a strength again for us this year.
1: You start the season off kind of tough, and you're uh, you played Dan McDonald last year, one of your uh, old, older assistants, and then this year you'll you'll get a look at Cliff Godwin at ECU. Kind of wild, didn't it? I guess when you've uh, coached for uh, as long as you have, you're going to coach against some people that are uh, that have been on your staff before.
2: Well, yeah, and just proud of you know what you know Cliff's done at you know East Carolina, his you know his alma mater. He le- he left after we went to the World Series uh, three years ago in 2014, and you know took over his you know his program uh, that he graduated and played in, and uh, you know one that was kind of struggling at the time, and it's just done you know a marvelous job and. Uh, you know, been to back-to-back regionals, and last year made it to a super regional, and uh, was a couple outs away from getting to Omaha. You know, when he left here, uh, we talked that first fall, and we had an opening this first weekend in 2017, and and so did they, and and we chuckled about it a couple weeks ago, where you know, hey, it sounded like it, uh, it was a great idea, you know, three years ago, but uh, you know, now, you know, you look up and two really good programs playing each other, you know, maybe it wasn't the best design, but uh, but it'll be fun, you uh, know. Great to see, you know, uh, Cliff. I know his team will be sensational, you know, like they have been the past couple of years, and I think it'll be a great atmosphere. The weather's supposed to be, you know, perfect and you know, in the mid 60s and sunny, so it should be it should make for a great weekend.
1: In some publications, this will be a top 10 showdown between uh, number eight Ole Miss and number six East Carolina. Coach, we'll let you get out of here on an easy one. Are uh, the Cardinal 80s powder blue uniforms going to be back in the rotation this season?
2: Yeah, they will. I'm I'm not sure. You know, I don't know if we've selected the uniforms. Usually, we wear them on Sunday. No doubt, that uh, uh, that was a big hit, and uh, you know, the, not only the players but to, to a lot of the fans, you know, love that uniform. So certainly that that'll it'll be in the rotation.
0: Mike Bianco, the head baseball coach at Ole Miss, Sammy said entering his eighteenth, seventeenth, seventeenth season. Okay, uh, so yeah, Ole Miss. Depending on what poll you look at, top ten team, or there.
1: not ranked at all, <laughs> or they're going to be garbage. You don't know. <laughs>
0: Uh, yep, yeah. who knows what's going to happen this year uh, oh, Always want to say that Alright, uh, our thanks to Coach Pieco Coming up right now, we have Scott Berry The head baseball coach at Southern Miss the Gold Eagles returning off a, a 2016 Conference USA championship season, and uh, Sam and I talked to him uh, earlier. Or I talked to him earlier this week and started the conversation, asking him about uh, after losing a lot of uh, some of their offensive pieces from last year, what is the uh, what's the uh, makeup and the identity of this 2017 Eagles
4: team? Well, I think more than anything, we're going to be uh, more offensive than we are probably uh, on the pitching side. We. We lost a lot, J.R., from last year's club, uh, I think 315 innings total of work. So uh, that's a lot to make up. But, you know, we do have the uh, the potential and ability to score runs with our offense uh, one through nine and the depth that we have and uh, how we choose to use it throughout a game. But you know, I think defensively, I-, I like the way that we have uh, have played defensively in the fall as well as this spring. Um, You know, we haven't made many mistakes. Uh, You know, physical mistakes they do happen, but the mental mistakes are the ones certainly that you you don't want to commit. And it seems like that we've uh, we've done a good job of taking care of that side of the game uh, this year. So, you know, pitching is is the unknown. I think we've got some quality starters, but certainly uh, the back end of the game. uh, You know, if we can get to, Sandlin, obviously we feel good about that, but that middle stretch is is also important especially here in the beginning of the year where uh, where pitch counts are uh, you know in place with guys and you know you have to see a lot of guys to try to work yourself into the season
0: now i know i read a patrick McGee story from earlier in the week after media day and he talked about how uh, it, it, it could be the junior right-hander Hayden Roberts winds up being the Friday night guy, uh, as opposed to Kirk McCarty, who I think, uh, uh, being the the hometown hero there from Oak Grove and everything. And he's pitched some big, big games in his time there. Uh, but I, I guess that's, if, if you have an established starter like McCarty and there's, uh, some people that can give him a run for his, uh, uh, Friday night, number one starter money, so to speak, that's a good thing.
4: Well, you know, it's kind of, it's it's real interesting. Um, first of all, um, Kirk is just not an ego guy. He's a team guy, and he actually likes to pitch on Saturday because he gets an opportunity to really study the opponent on Friday. Uh, you know, he's an old quarterback, so uh you know he he studied under Favre at at Oak grove and in, in the offense, so they did a lot of film, so I kinda equate that uh the the film study that they do in football to a pitcher on Saturday or Sunday actually being able to watch live film of the opponent on on friday and in, in his case, it would be watching Hayden Roberts uh pitch against these guys on on Friday night so you know, most guys, you know, everybody thinks, you know, your number one goes on, on Friday. And, you know, I don't know if Kirk is our number one. I, he's our most experienced, obviously. And yes, I would think that he's right there at it. But I think however you went, either Kirk or Hayden or vice versa with Hayden on Friday and Kirk on Saturday, it's a pretty good one, two punch that we have.
1: Let me
0: ask you about uh the, the catcher position. You lose Chucky Robinson, uh who was just such uh uh an important backbone role to your team. The catcher is always kinda like that. You know, defensively the position is so important, handling the staff is so important. But this guy gave you offense too, on top of that, some big swings last year uh and really took off. Um you can't replace a guy like that, but how are you how are you guys moving forward with the uh the catching position this year?
4: Well, you know, we we' We have brought in a really, really sound uh, catcher and a kid named Cole Donaldson from Hutchinson Junior College out in Kansas uh, who spent his high school days in St. Louis uh, up there. So, But I'll tell you, uh, I've been so impressed with Cole. He's, his defense is very solid. He possesses Chucky's arm plus. Uh, he has quickness. He receives well. And surprisingly, he uh, he's hit for some power, you know, in our inner squads. And he's left the yard a few times. Uh, he's certainly going to probably add some doubles, just because he's very athletic and can run. And you know, people, the body type's kind of like, and the actions are kind of like a an old Benito Santiago, which was a a very good catcher back in the 80s and early 90s. Uh, In the big leagues, and and by no means am I saying that, you know, that's who he is, but he reminds me of what maybe he was at a young age, very athletic, uh, long frame, um, loose, and uh, a very, very good arm and a lot of quick.
0: Taylor Braley last year was off to an amazing start, offensive player of the month uh, for February last year. Uh, runs into an injury, cuts his season short. You guys were remarkably able to keep up the offensive pace in spite of losing such an important piece. What if any effects are you seeing from that and he's coming back and uh, uh, he might throw some I see also what are you, what are you expecting from him this year?
4: You know I think you know he was such a remarkable two-way player in high school at Oak Grove and we haven't utilized uh, his, his ability on the mound his first two years here just because we really haven't had to. Uh, now he has, I think, probably has about five innings total in his two years here, but I think that that will probably significantly increase this spring and how we use him. Uh, you know, I think he he certainly has the potential to really help you there. He's much more physical now to – to withstand the endurance and, uh, and the stress that's put on the body, uh, at our level, you know, it's one thing at the, at the high school level, but you know, here at our level, it's, it's every day. I mean, you come out, you work every day. So the stress level physically on your body's a lot more and his body's matured. It's much stronger. It's a much better baseball shaped body now. And, uh, you know, we look for him to, to help us both on the mound and, and in the field at third base.
0: Nick Sandlin coming back this year, Uh, uh, excuse me, Nick, not Jake. Jake had the big year last year, but that's another Sandlin on your roster right there. So uh, what kind of expectations do you have for him coming up as a sophomore now?
4: Well, you know, I feel good. If we can get to him at the back end of the game with a lead, I really feel good because he is highly competitive. He's got plus stuff on the mound. he, he really never works himself into trouble. He always gives you that chance to win. And I think, more importantly, that the confidence that the team has when he enters the game with a lead uh, certainly is a boost as well. So if we can get to, to, uh, to Nick with, uh, with a lead, then certainly we feel good, and that'll, that will be the plan.
0: You know, each and every game. You got my sandlins uh, crossed right there. Conference USA Tournament, MGM Park in Biloxi, while it's off campus and at a neutral site, you guys are essentially the host team at another Conference USA Tournament. And that I know that has to be, uh, it's number one, it's awesome for your fans, but for your guys as well, it kind of has to give you a little bump in energy, I suspect, to be able to play those games so close to home
4: well we need to learn how to win down there we're owing <laughs> two right now you know we played last year played two lane in south alabama and uh, lost both those contests so we uh you know we need to figure out how to get down there and win in that park and we'll get two opportunities in the regular season with uh southeastern louisiana and nickel state on the schedule there but you know Obviously, we have enjoyed the three years that we've had here at Pete Taylor. I don't feel like there's anybody in our conference that does it any better. Very few in the country do it any better than, than our people, our volunteers, our community, mm-hmm. our our institution. Everybody makes this a great experience for the student-athlete and the fan uh, no matter where they're, where they're from. And I hear those compliments from all the opposing coaches or programs or fans. So, You know, we would love to continue to have it here, but uh, I guess the next best thing would be to keep it in state (laughs) down the road about 70 miles at MGM. And, uh, you know, it certainly is a great opportunity for our fans to not have to travel far and and continue to see us play. Obviously, we've got to get in the conference tournament. There's only eight of the 12 teams that go, so we need to qualify ourselves to get in there. But if – you know, certainly, if that if that happens, then our fans do have that advantage of not having to travel far and can go to the beautiful um, coast of Mississippi and and watch good baseball and enjoy enjoy that that view down there
0: so you got uh you have series now weekend series uh that the the athletics department's been working to get you guys with Mississippi state and old miss i know you've you've played the the one off the midweek uh neutral site games in the past, and that's always been a lot of fun for the fans and you guys have uh more than held up your end of the bargain uh keeping you know all these things a a rivalry with uh, who's winning the games. But uh, what does it mean to you to be able to, and, and outside of the fact that you guys are are neighbors in state, uh, ha- how important is it you know, for scheduling purposes that you can play two really good teams like that uh, in terms of RPI and, and how that helps you guys working toward the postseason and to be able to have uh, three-game series with those guys moving forward instead of just the one-offs in the middle of the week?
4: Right. Well, you know, RPI is everything. It's uh you know, there's no crystal ball and trying to predict it. Obviously, there's there's certain programs and certain conferences that are always going to um, have that constant RPI that you need. So, with us being able to play Mississippi State, open up with them next year, three games, uh, you know, that, that plays very big in, into the the total RPI over the year. Baseball, it's a little different, Jay, and that it's so coaches get together and they're not really opposed to to not playing one another the administrations don't really get involved (laughs) with our schedules it's it's all the coaches and one good thing about uh, baseball in the state of Mississippi we've always been able to get along and play with one another and I think from a fan standpoint obviously uh, they appreciate it very very much because you know we would rather play in state than have to bring somebody out of state to, to play and when you can, you can, you know, build build your sport off from each other right here. So, it's a it's a great thing that we'll we'll play them here next year, and then we'll uh, we'll follow up with their place in 2019 on the second weekend. We'll return the trip.
0: Well, coach, before we let you go, what are the goals and the expectations for this team? What are they striving for in 2017?
4: I think the goals they don't ever change. It's just uh, you know, it's a new year, it's a new challenge. You've got a whole new bunch of guys. and We've got 16 new players that we've got to try to recreate the chemistry that I felt like was so magical with the 16 team and how those guys played together. And, and if we can do that, then I think we have a chance to be successful. But certainly we've got to get out there and make it happen.
0: See you next Thursday at 10 for MPB's Season Pass.